Reading from Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. You be seated. Thank you, Pastor Josh. I, I figured trying to read an extended section of scripture may end up in a coughing jag, and I didn't think you wanted that. Amen? <laughs> and so uh, we'll, we'll get through this. I think it's just allergies, but uh, uh, it's been about a week and a half of allergies, and I am sick of allergies, if you know what I mean. Have you ever felt out of place? You, you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were completely out of your environment? Um, several years ago, when, when I was still practicing law, my, my boss's daughter got married, and they were Jewish, and she married a Catholic kid. And so it was a Jewish Catholic wedding. I, you know, the, the priest was there. The rabbi was there. It was an interesting wedding, to say the least. And I got to tell you, this Nazarene kid felt a little bit out of place at this Jewish Catholic wedding. They were breaking things and throwing things and doing things that, that I really didn't know what they were doing. Uh, I felt a little bit out of place. In the scripture that we're looking at today, Jesus is telling us that if we're truly kingdom people, we'll feel out of place from time to time. That, that, that the way that we are to live our life will not fit entirely into the way that the world perceives that life should be done. That, that there's a little bit where we're misfits in this place. Now, now, this is a beautiful poem, and, and, and I hope you've enjoyed as we've went through this the last, this is week eight, I guess, as, as we've talked through the Beatitudes, as we've looked through the Beatitudes, and heard Josh did an awesome job last week, and we appreciate Josh and, 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 and preaching last week. And, and as we've considered this, this poem of Jesus, as, as Jesus opens his ministry, he begins his ministry with a song, with a poem. <laughs> Uh, just stop and reflect on that for a moment. God, God has come from heaven, and he's wrapped himself in flesh, and he stands before people, and he doesn't come with judgment. He doesn't come with accusation. He doesn't come with his fingers pointed at us. He's not wagging his finger at you. But Jesus comes, God in the flesh, and says, Blessed. <laughs> Uh, it's not our expectation of God, right? <laughs> it wasn't their expectation of God. Uh, they, they were waiting for this, this judge to come that would really put people in their place. And Jesus comes with this love song, this, this poem of blessing. But then he ends it kind of uniquely. 
As difficult as being blessed because we're poor in spirit, we can kind of understand that and blessed as we mourn. We can understand that and being blessed as we're gentle and meek and as we hunger and thirst. We can kind of understand that. Jesus concludes it this way. Blessed are those who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. You're blessed when you're persecuted. You're blessed when you don't fit in. You're blessed when people say bad things about you. For about a week, I was a lawn care salesperson. Uh, that's right. I, I was one of those guys that would call you at home at night. And, and I did this for about a week. Uh, it just, just wasn't my cup of tea. I, I wasn't good at it. As a matter of fact, I made one cell. And, and the only cell I made, I pretended I was someone else. That's right. They said, just pretend you're this person and you'll make the cell. And sure enough, I did. I, I didn't feel real good about that. But that's the only way I could make a cell. But, but I was a lawn care salesman. And, and, and cells, Todd... In cells, you have to close, right? And, and so when, when, when you're closing your medication, you're, you're talking about the good aspects, the positive things, and, and Jesus isn't closing here. He's not using some argument of why things will be easier if you live by the kingdom standards. As a matter of fact, Jesus is saying, listen, You'll be blessed because you won't fit in. You will be persecuted if you follow me. Now, now just so you know, if you, if, you, if you go through the ministry of Jesus, Jesus does this often. He, he does a miracle, and they don't say th things like, hey, if you don't take up your cross and follow me, then, then you have no part. I mean, you got to take up a cross. you, you got to eat my body, eat my blood, drink my blood. And so Jesus has this habit of when it's time to close, he says, hey, by the way, it's going to be really hard. You know, in the church, I, I think sometimes maybe we, we hide that message a little bit. Okay, can I tell you, if you follow Jesus, I'm not saying life won't be better, but I'm also saying that life won't be hard. That it's not always easy to follow Jesus. Amen? Anybody that's followed Jesus for a long time? When you follow Jesus, there will be persecution. You know, as we, as we go through this, to, to be honest, I, you know, to be blessed and being poor in spirit, I, I can kind of get this understanding. Okay, being poor in spirit is to empty myself and to empty myself that God has to fill me. Okay, I, I can see the end game there. I can see how that relates. But blessed are those who mourn when we're broken for our sins and the sins of the world, that then God can comfort us. I, I can see that. Blessed when you're gentle or meek, when I submit myself to God. Okay, I can rely on His strength. When I'm hungry, when I'm thirsty, 
God will fill me. Okay, that makes sense. When I'm merciful, I can receive mercy. Okay, that makes sense. When I'm pure in heart, when I operate as a son of God, when I'm a peacemaker, when I'm a shalom giver, when I bring the wholeness that God promises, that I'm the son of God, okay, that all makes sense. You know, it seems like Jesus is, is going somewhere. The, the blessing of being kingdom people. But then the last one's different. I, I got to tell you, the, the, the last one I struggle with. Because as a kingdom person, I see what God has to offer. And I see that it's better. And yet we live in a world that does not accept it. Yes, in a lot of ways, as Jesus is moving this through this, it, 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 it doesn't fit together completely. Or at least not to me. When I was at Trenton, we had bats. That's right, bats. Of all the problems a church can have, bats is one of the worst ones. Uh, nothing breaks up a youth service more than a bat dive bombing kids, okay? I'll just tell you. Uh, Josh, you in here? If you've never had a bat dive bomb kids, you've never had a problem. And so we had bats. And, and, and you know, bats, bats are protected. Did you know that? Bats are protected animals. Why you would protect rats with wings, I don't know. But they were protected, and so you, you, you can't just shoot them. You, you gotta, you gotta move them. And, and so one of my board members came up to me and said, "Hey, I talked to somebody, and they said they can eliminate our bat problem for three thousand dollars." Woo! You know, praise Jesus. So I brought the guy in, and the $3,000 was only for the evaluation. Uh, to, to remedy the solution was at least another $30,000. And so as far as I know, they still have bats. <laughs> There's a little bit of this and what Jesus is doing. We, we, we can understand and it looks good, but then when we get to the end, we need to understand that as we're part of his kingdom, you know, you can be poor in spirit, you can mourn, you can, you can do all these things, you can be hungry, you can be merciful, you can be gentle, you can be pure, you can be a peacemaker, you're blessed when you're part of the kingdom. Oh, but by the way, when you do these things and you're fully part of the kingdom, you will be rejected. The world will have none of this. The kingdom runs counter to the world. So, Pastor, we live in a Christian society now. Can we all laugh together? Do you realize that to fully live in God's kingdom still runs counter to the world. The expectations of the world, the desires of the world, it runs contrary to God's desires and God's kingdom. And it was the example of the early followers of Jesus. And the Gospels, 
the, 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 the Pharisees seem to be the, the most significant place where persecution occurs. There, there, there's more conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees than anyone else. And, and, and you know, the, the, the Pharisees are not the clergy. The, these are the traditional people. These are the lay people. And, and these are the rule keepers. And, and these seem to be the people that conflict with Jesus most. Last week we were at Portland first, and, and their pastor is a great pastor. He preached out of John chapter 9. And, and it just struck me as I read this. He was talking about atheists. Do you know you can be a religious atheist? You, you realize that, right? You can be very religious and still not be able to see God. Can I tell you, one of the greatest fears I have in my life is that I become a religious atheist. That I know all the traditions, I know all the things to say, I know all the things to do, and yet there not be real faith within me. The Pharisees were religious atheists. God wasn't Lord. They, they, they couldn't recognize Jesus, and they conflicted with the disciples as they grew nearer to Jerusalem, the priests and the Sadducees become more important. This is the real power. And these are the people that had the power to have Jesus crucified. In John 11, we read this. Jesus is, Lazarus has been risen, risen from the tomb. And, and, and John 11, 45 through 50 says this. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. Lazarus is raised. People are believing. Pretty good, right? But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus has done. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people and the whole nation not perish. You know, why, why do they react in that way? I mean, for goodness sake, Jesus brought a dead man to life. And yet they react in this way. They... They don't celebrate. They, they don't embrace him. Why? Because Jesus threatened their way of life and their influence. In the book of Acts, persecution is driven less by the Pharisees. In fact, the Pharisees are mentioned only four times in the book of Acts. And, and, and it's, it's mainly in a positive way. Paul is a Pharisee, and he's a persecutor. But Gamiel speaks on behalf of the disciples in Acts 5.34, and he's a Pharisee. Acts 15.5 says that Pharisees were part of the early church. In, in Acts 23, 6-9, these are the group of people. The Pharisees begin to argue with Paul uh, when he mentions the resurrection. When Paul stands before King Agrippa, he, he mentions in a positive way, hey, I was a Pharisee. 
And so the book of Acts, there is a shift. And it's less the Pharisees who are driving the persecution and more the Sadducees and the clergy and the establishment. Acts 5, 17 through 18 says, But the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in public jail. So what caused the Sadducees' wrath? Do you ever wonder that? I mean, Jesus was doing miracles and causing blind people to see. And there's this story of the resurrection and all this hope, and yet there's wrath directed towards them. Now, of course, the Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. And that is why they are... Oh, you guys need to know that. That is why they're so sad, you see. Okay? <laughs> You'll never forget that now, will you? So, so there's a little bit of that. Jesus is teaching something completely contrary. But there's more than that. See, this new kingdom upset their status quo. Jesus is calling for a new allegiance and it's no longer about them and their power. Now, now as the gospel moves, it, the, the way becomes uh, part of the, the Roman Empire and it's the way versus Rome and, and, and the way Jesus uses and it's genius. Jesus uses the same language of Rome. Jesus talks about the good news, the gospel of peace. And, and this is the same language that Rome uses. Rome talks about the good news, the gospel of peace, the peace of Rome. But the peace of Rome is brought by a sword and by power and by overwhelming people with force. And Jesus is talking about a new way of submission and sacrifice and love and generosity and grace and hope. And this is the true good news. And this is the true kingdom. The Romans would say, Caesar is Lord. And the Christians would say, no, Jesus is Lord. And so there's accusations. The, the early Christians are accused of cannibalism because of the Lord's Supper. They're, they're accused of being cannibals. They're, they're accused of orgies because of the love feast. They're, they're accused of tearing families apart, and yet the gospel, the way, still spreads. Eventually, they begin to tell the early Christians, listen, you, you can do what you want, but in Public, you have to pledge allegiance to Caesar. If you want to trade, if you want to live, if you want to be part of our society, uh, we don't care what you do in the privacy of your homes. In public, say Jesus is Lord or Caesar is Lord and we'll leave you alone. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't separate private and public. See, see, the problem with the early church was, was not this private confession they had, but it was their unwillingness to subject themselves to the public confession 
their public confession had to be the same as their private confession. And so they cast them out of the markets and they persecute them and they killed them and they put them in prison and they beat them all because they wouldn't in public say Caesar is Lord but in private say Jesus is Lord. It's still the same by the way. The world does not mind our private confession of Jesus as long as our public life conforms to the world's standard. As long as when you're in public, you live to their standard, they could care less what you do in your homes and what we do in this church. But it's when that private confession becomes public that we find ourselves in opposition to the world. Now, the truth is, we're, we're not being killed. Uh, no, no, nobody's preventing you from buying or selling. Selling In some places they are. I, I believe I read somewhere that more Christians were martyred in the 20th century than any other time in history. But, but that's not happening here, here and now, right? We, we can acknowledge we're not being beaten for our, our private or public confessions of Jesus. In fact, this is how far we've went. We, we would count it as persecution if they removed our tax-favorable treatment. Right? We'd say, oh man, we're being persecuted because the church has to pay property taxes. Can I tell you, in the early church, in the early days, they did far more than remove tax-favorable status. Living kingdom standards still places us in opposition to the world. So what lies ahead if we truly sell out? You know, Jesus didn't sugarcoat. He, 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 didn't, he didn't promise something he couldn't deliver. And we shouldn't either. Passionate followers of Jesus create a reaction. Because his kingdom upsets the world's corrupt system. There was a kid that went to... Um, uh, he, he went to my brother's church at Vandalia, and, and he was a good basketball player. And, and so he went to Bowling Green, which I think was a Mac school then. Um, and uh, he was playing basketball, and he was sixth man of the year as a freshman at a Mac school. You know, he's a six, seven kid. You know, that, there, there's some future in that. You know, as a freshman, to be the sixth man of the year in the MAC conference. And, and after the season was over, the coach called him in the office and he said, Hey, Jay, what's your priorities? And Jay said, Well, probably God, family, school, and basketball. That's pretty good, isn't it? Nothing wrong with that. I think that's about my priorities. Basketball's about fourth, yeah. That was a joke, by the way. <laughs> Can we get a laugh track uh, so they'll know? <laughs> and the coach said, no, that can't be your priorities. Your, your priorities, Jay, have to be basketball, 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 basketball. <laughs> Jay quit Bowling Green and went to Mount Vernon. <laughs> I was proud of the kid. Because God was going to be priority in his life. So you'll, you'll face people 
in your life, when the kingdom is first, they'll challenge you for that decision. What about you students? What would happen? And I know I've got I've got a 17 year old son, so I know exactly. I, I can remember being I can remember being a teenager. What would happen if you were to move from the table with the popular kids and go sit with a forgotten kid? What would your friends say? What, what, what if you were to say, listen, I, in this moment, I don't care what anyone else says, I'm going to practice mercy. You know, it's not just students. What, what about in the workplace? What if in the workplace you refused to cut corners even when your boss wanted you to cut corners? What if I would have said on my one cell, listen, I'm not going to lie to sell somebody lawn care. I wish I would have. Then they could have fired me and I got unemployment instead of nothing, right? No. What if you refuse to cut corners in the workplace? Jacob's Well, which is a church in Kansas City, a and their house band has a song called Words to Build a Life on. We even talked about maybe doing it through this series. It's kind of a different song. And uh, it's about the, the Beatitudes. And it has a part of it that goes like this. Blessed when you're put down. <laughs> because of me, you're dissed. Because of me, you're kicked out. They take you off their list. <laughs> I got to tell you, those words kind of move me. Uh, because there's times when kingdom priorities take us off people's list. We're no longer as fun to hang around with. We no longer have the same priorities and people begin to put us at arm's length. What about personal relationships? Are you willing to practice vulnerability? To, to be truly Christian in a non-Christian culture leaves us open for wounds. You will practice mercy. You will give forgiveness. And at times you will be taken advantage of. If we want to live like Jesus, there's no other way to say this. If you want to live like Jesus, there will be scars. Let me ask you, when was the last time you made a kingdom decision that created a reaction in this world? When was the last time at work, at school, in a relationship that your values contrasted with the values of the world? Sometimes I think I'm too harsh. I do. I, I, I feel bad. I'm, you know, here I am at the end. I feel, I feel like I'm just harsh. Sorry. Am I harsh? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> but the reality is the church in many places is not much different than the world. The, the same problems we have in our neighborhoods are the same problems we have in our churches. 
And I think the problem is we allow the world to set our agenda and not God to set our agenda. All heads bow, all eyes closed. Let's take a couple minutes and just reflect where you're at, um, the decisions you're making. Are there things you need to let go of? Are there things you need to let go of in work, at school? And then I'm going to close this in prayer. Right now as we're reflecting, think about your public life, your life at school, your life at work, those obligations you have. What are your priorities in fulfilling those obligations? Do, do they reflect kingdom principles? Or do they reflect principles of this world? Lord, help us as we live our public lives to be mindful of your agenda in our life and to follow it. May, may we not be afraid of what others might say, but Lord, may we be willing to do whatever you call us to do. Think about your family now and your, your home life and your life in your neighborhood. What are the priorities that guide those relationships? Are they kingdom priorities or, or are they worldly priorities? Lord, help us now in our private lives, in our lives in our homes with our family, in our lives with our neighbors, in our lives of private interaction, that your kingdom will be supreme, that we will be truly people of the cross, people of your kingdom, that, that will not allow other um, agendas to dilute what you have in mind for us. Now, Lord, be with us as we go from this place. We, we pray for your blessing, for your um, direction, for your Holy Spirit to fill us. Lord, as we leave this place, we... Um, we don't stop being the church. Church is not about a place, but church is about a people. And Lord, we've been the people gathered, and we've heard from your word, and we've worshiped together. We'll go to Sunday school, and we'll continue to hear from your word. But Lord, as we leave this building, we go as the church sent. And as we go as the church sent, you invite us, you encourage us, you allow us to be part of your plan, to, to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ wherever we find ourselves. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, um, to be loving, to be growing, to be going wherever we find ourselves in the coming hours and the coming days. Uh, bless us, use us, Lord. And as you use us, Lord, uh, may your kingdom grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.